Money Wise on 938 Live. Hey, it's a Monday evening, and this is Money Wise on 938 Live. I'm Keith D'Souza. I'm joined in the studio this evening by Ken Chi. He's the director of 8 Investment Private Limited. And what are we talking about this evening? Value investing. Do you know what that means? Well, it's very Warren Buffettish, I believe, but let's uh, put that to Ken. Ken, what is value investing? Hi, everyone. Hi, Keith. Um, value investing is actually a concept that pioneered by actually the uh, Warren mentor, Benjamin Graham, in 1930s. Basically, it's very simple. It's actually looking for a great bargain, great values, okay, and buy them under value, and you make money when you buy them and not when you sell them. Okay, let's translate into the stock market these days. Yeah. We've been told by our guests on our... Lot, lots of people are on the sidelines these mm -hmm. days, keeping their money in cash, mm -hmm. on the defensive plays, mm -hmm. and uh, basically stay out of the stock market. <laughs> is that your philosophy or is this the best time for you that you think that you should be going in? Okay, I think uh, all the times uh, we should be invested in the market itself. But before I address that question, I think I need to actually uh, address one fundamental issue. Is I want to make a very bold statement uh, here right now. The bold statement is the stock market will always rise. Now, why do I actually say that? I say that based on two reasons. First reason is actually population growth. Now, I believe many years ago, um, I read a report somewhere where we are actually a world population standing at 6 billion people. And the last count, I believe we have reached to 7 billion people. And they estimated by 2020 or beyond 2030, we reached to 10 billion people. Now, just based on this population growth alone, okay, that means the, the market is always expanding. Now, humanity have actually strived and thrived after World War One, World War Two, many wars and diseases, but yet our population still continue to grow, right? So that's first. Second is actually humanity actually need to upgrade our living standard. So what this means is at different stage in time, okay, hum humanity actually will want more and more things. And in order to satisfy our needs and wants, there will be businesses out there need to produce the product and service to cater to these needs and wants. So as the population grow and the demand for product and services to improve our life uh, increases, this opportunity will cause the market or company that listed in the stock market to continue to actually generate higher, higher profit. So that's the reason why, over time, I believe the stock market, in fact, the stock market will always rise. Coming back, yeah. over time. Yeah. Today it was down 35 points. <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> so basically, maybe we should say, which market yes, right. will be up? Okay, yeah. okay you were good. I, I interjected. You were okay. saying? Of course, I, I was saying that actually or, uh, the stock market will go up, but the key thing is which market will go up? Right, so now then we have to come back as which market have the potential to grow uh, strongly, and I believe in Asia we are actually sitting in a very very unique position right now because of the rise of of course India and China. For I believe they will continue to grow because there's a group of under what we call a pent up demand for the middle class. The U.S. and actually U.K. You look at every century there's actually a shift in 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 the economic power. Right in the 18th century, I believe it's U.K. 18th 19th century on the 20th century is U.S.A. On, in Europe, but now this is the Asia era. Okay, we have, and by the way, China is not a new power. China is an old power, but it's an awakening old power. Okay, but yeah. uh, the market was perhaps the worst performing market yes, of last, last year. year. Yes. Yes. Six six nine double one nine three eight is our number on uh, Money Wise. If you feel you want to put a question to Ken, please don't wait till the final hour to call in our number six six nine double one nine three eight. So, Ken, you were saying China, India. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, because of that, 
is that going to fuel the rise or the or the value of the stock market these days? I think because of China, the sheer market size of China and India, I believe the next 15 years and 20 years, the Asian market will continue to grow. There will be businesses out there. There will be the next Google, uh, next, uh, next Amazon, the next uh, IKEA. They have to, definitely have to come up from this market. Our number six six nine double one nine three eight. When we're going to the phone lines, good evening. Hi. Hi. You have a question for Ken. Can I have your name, please? Uh, Mr. Tan here. Mr. Tan, your question. Ken, how do you account for the fact that Japan in nineteen eighty seven? Was thirty thousand, and today it's uh, less than half. Oh, you're yeah, talking about actually um, the the Japan market actually what we call the lost decade, correct? Not. It's more than a decade. Yeah, correct. Now the key thing is um, that's why I'm talking about the market growing potential. Are they actually matured market? Okay, or they have actually leveraged to a point that when they burst. Okay, the market cannot recover, or they are still in the, the, the road of recovery. I think we're, we're talk, when we're talking about market, we're talking about potential of the population growth. We, fundamentally, we look at Japan, the population, in fact, is not growing. Okay, and a lot of companies, actually, they have to actually earn their revenue outside from Japan. Okay, that's why we're seeing a lot of Japanese companies actually go into U.S. and China, and because of their own economy, they are getting more expensive and no longer competitive in that sense. I hope that answers your question, sir. Uh, our number again, 669-11938. So if... But do, do also come back to, right. to, to answer to this gentleman, just mm -hmm. to add on. If you look back to Dow Jones when it first started in the early 19th centuries, right? I believe it's actually 80, 83 points. I can't remember which point, but it's, it's, it's a very low, low digit. But look at the market right now. Okay, the growth from actually Dow Jones in terms of the market itself, it has been increasing over the years itself. So I think it has to do with the, the competitiveness of the market. Now, I'm not saying that all market will continue to grow, but I'm saying that as a world, as a population, we will continue to grow and the demand will increase. It's just that as an investor, we need to know where to allocate our money in different markets that's growing. Okay, we've been talking about broad strokes, growth of population, which will in turn fuel desire, fuel needs, and therefore you know, push up the value of uh, your stocks. Yes. But uh, bringing it down to the bare bones like in Singapore these days if we're talking about a market <laughs> that is I mean a population that is not growing or being expanded uh, by immigration yeah. is the potential still there? Okay I think Singapore itself is a very very small market okay and I I have to acknowledge one thing of course there's a side effect of actually uh, importing foreign talent into the Singapore market but that's the only that's one of the ways to actually to address our population that's not growing and if our population is not growing the, the, the market size is very small so if you ask me I'm thinking I'm looking at companies in Singapore that actually have an expansion plan that targeted very specifically in actually in Asia market itself especially like say in China in uh, India Indonesia okay now even the, the latest market is actually Myanmar Okay, so as a value investor, I like to look at opportunity that nobody is, is, is ignoring, nobody is looking, and nobody is buying, and I would like to actually go in during the crisis, because only during a crisis, there will be opportunity. We've got a caller on the line. Caller, can we have your question before we go for a short break? Good evening. Hello, you are on the air. Hi. Hi, can I have your name, please, sir? Hi, this is Clifton. Clifton, yes. Hi, good evening. I just want to check, based on your concept of buying, you know, based on value, isn't it the same as any other strategies or any other gurus that say buy, buy low, sell high? That's one question. Number two, in terms of the developing countries like India and China and, and like Myanmar, like I mentioned earlier, there are a lot of uh, governance issues. Yeah. And so how do you really pick the ones that you can comfortably invest on a mid, short to mid-term basis? 
Yeah, yeah very good question. On that note, I know that we have a lot to cover. Uh, please hang on. We will get to your questions after this. 938 Live. 938 Live gets you talking. Money Wise on 938 Live. Yes, indeed. This is Money Wise on a Monday evening. I'm Keith D'Souza, joined this evening by Ken Chi. He is the director of 8 Investment Private Limited, and we're talking about value investing and Clifton, who is still on the line, by the way, uh, before we went to our break. Put two questions to you, Ken. First off, how different is value investing from everything else? It's buy low, sell high. Is that as easy as that? It's no, it's, it's not. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's a very relevant question that I need to address. A lot of people actually out there, they are not investors. They are actually basically traders. Why? Because they focus on, there's nothing wrong, wrong with trading, but it's a different school of thoughts. So buy low, sell high, are you referring to the price? Because most people just look at the price. Now to us, as the value investors, now we, you, we have to remember that the, the, there's, a, there's a particular character in the market. It's called what we call Mr. Market. Mr. Market is actually a group of men and women that open from Monday to Friday except from weekend and public holiday. And every day they'll come in to offer you a buy price or sell price for, for a chunk of the business that is listed on the stock market. So what this means is every day there will be, for, there'll, there'll be a price fluctuation because of sentiment. But fundamentally the business very, very seldom it will change overnight. I'll give you one very good example. I, 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 do, not think, I do not know whether this example is appropriate. But let's take an example of very uh, costly, uh, uh, a very well-known case right now, SMRT, who just broke down recently, right? Let me ask, okay, how many of the audience actually take MRT train to work every day? Okay, I'm, I assume maybe about 40, 50 percent, I'm, I'm not sure. It's an MRT train pack. It's packed every morning, the last I checked. So what this means is, let me ask you, okay, and is SMRT listed on a stock exchange? It is. Let me ask you tonight, is there something major happen, let's say, in the U.S. market? The market crash, right? And tomorrow, the SMRT share price also follows suit because of the market sentiment. But my question to you is this. Tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. or 8 a.m., when you go to the SMRT train, is the train still, the station still packed with people? The answer is yes. So what this means is market sentiment can swing every day in terms of price, but the business fundamental is still there. So you must understand as an investor, okay, let the market price serve you and not detect you. What this means is when the Mr. Market gives you a ridiculous price based on sentiment or bad news, but if you understand the, the business fundamental and because of the business uh, competitive advantage, this is where you take advantage and buy them under value. In what we practice in our company, there's something called a 3R concept. What's called a 3R concept? Buy the right business model with the right management and the right undervalue price. Only when these 3R meet, then you can go in and buy. Okay. Clifton, does that answer your first question? Yeah, that's a great answer. Okay, the second... No, I also want to uh, share one thing is, what is low can be lower. i give you another example. Very obviously, let's take a look at creative technology. At at a peak in year 2000 or 2001, I think during the dot-com peak day, the stock actually went up all the way to 60 or 61 bucks, right? It came down to $30. I remember during all the technical charts, all these things, my friend told me, not $30 is cheap, you can buy. I say, but hang on, look at the business model, the fundamentals, right? And technology company actually changes very fast. You need to invest a lot of R&D, all this thing. And from $30, it dropped dropped to $15. You buy, it dropped to $8. Do you buy, it dropped to $4. You buy, today is two plus. Will you continue to buy? What is low can be lower. Never just focus on price alone. All right. And, of course, uh, the views expressed by our guest are that of his own. If you feel to need to act on any of the 
advice that you've heard in our program, please contact a financial advisor. And uh, Ken, question. your second question is about the emerging markets, yeah. and you since you brought up the issue of Myanmar, the risk involved in investing in emerging markets. Fantastic question. I'm talking about not investing, let's say, going to Myanmar ourselves just to to invest in any company there. All right? I'm talking about we can use a proxy method. Invest in local company that's very sound with good management, professional team. Invest in a company but they have an exposure into the Myanmar market as one of their market. So through this proxy method, you can actually ring fence your risk at the same time uh, have a potential upside if the company do well with their actually business opportunity in Myanmar itself. So if I want to do something with Myanmar, would I do the oil, yep. jewels, yep. and that is it? <laughs> First up, okay. agriculture? I, I, will, I will look at two things, right? I'll look at actually real estate and infrastructure. Because we have to understand as an emerging market, there's always a pattern to track, right? So we, we take a look at, let's say, go back to 50s, 60s of Singapore. What do Singapore need back then? Housing, education, the basic things that most people that don't have back then. It's the same thing. I'm not, I wouldn't think that Myanmar don't have it, but most people right now are actually they are the, one of the lowest income in whole Asia. So the immediate thing that if the government really want to improve the life of people there, the infrastructure need to be there because if without infrastructure, businesses cannot go in actually to to set up business all these things, right? So look at companies that actually build infrastructures. Okay, road, bridge, right, cable, uh, telecommunication, uh, real estate. Okay, things like this. That is the most basic things starting from from emerging market itself our number is six six nine double one nine three eight and I hope uh, that answers your question Clifton uh, keep those calls coming in we've got uh, Ken Chi in the studio this evening and we're talking all about uh, value investing and I think he's done a great uh, job of Defining what value investing is. <laughs> and so are we, I guess, and uh, so are callers. Yeah. We will be back uh, after headline news and sports, talking more about value investing and where you should be putting your money. This is Money Wise on 938 Live on a Monday evening. Money Wise with Keith D'Souza on 938 Live. Money Wise on 938 Live. Yes, indeed. This is Money Wise on 938 Live. I'm Keith D'Souza. And in the studio this evening is uh, Ken Chi. He is the director of 8 Investment Private Limited, and we're talking all about value investing, what it means, and what it could mean for you. And if you have a question for Ken, don't hesitate to call. Now's the time, 669-11938. Ken, we were talking, before we left, we were talking about emerging markets and what we could possibly glean when we use the case study of Myanmar and I was asking you is it commodities or is it precious uh, stones yeah. what and you were telling us about infrastructure and basically they need to s look for a emerging market that has to s to satisfy their basic needs basically housing food food, maybe, food yeah. and uh, housing food and shelter I guess yeah and education and education right yeah so did you miss the board in Myanmar for yourself? Yes, I did. <laughs> okay, I, actually, it's a, it's a good personal experience. I was reading the paper and actually I saw that the Myanmar government actually released, uh, decided to release uh, Wong Suan Su Zhi, right? I was like, wow, it's changing. And they wanted to host the Asian uh, uh, summit. The ASEAN chair. Uh, sorry, ASEAN, ASEAN chair, chair. Right, correct. So to be part of the ASEAN itself. And 
I think they also progressively actually doing the reform and actually speed up the reform. So I, I asked my team, because we have an investment team, I said, hey, how can we get involved into Myanmar uh, 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 opening up of this, this kind of uh, climax, right? So, and I called my friend in, in Myanmar. I said, hey, hi. Say, is there anything that we can actually invest in Myanmar? And she said, well, the, they're still opening up and it's not sure yet. And actually, I should... I, I miss because I should ask myself that which Singapore company listed in Singapore have a market exposure or potential market exposure into emerging market like Myanmar and I, I was just reading one report and I can't remember what was the company name and they do do real estate business there and within two months their share price jumped <laughs> to about 200 to 250% I was like oh my goodness I mean as, as an investor myself as I mean we are still learning right but this is a very good example Okay. Yeah. And of course, the views expressed on our program are that of our guests alone. And if you feel the need to act on any of the advice you hear on the program, please contact a financial advisor. Our number in the meantime, 669-11938. So when we talk about investing, everyone seems to be focused on the SDI. Yeah. So how do you broaden your horizon, so to speak? Okay. I think... One one happen is a lot when people talk about investing in the stock market, they look at the market as a whole. As, especially one gentleman earlier, the first phone call say that, oh, look, what, how about Japan? Have, Japan have lost decade or even two decades. The stock market is not growing, right? But I want to share is now when we invest in market, unless you're buying market index itself, you, so you're buying the whole market. But yes, are you? I, we might need to be aware that there are many companies that listed in the in the stock market, and this company, individual company, because of business model, they grow and they outperform the market. I give one example in Singapore, right? And uh, there's a company called APB. They sell this 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 particular product called Tiger Beer. Hmm. <laughs> and in year 2001, okay, and the, the, I remember the share price was 360. You know, we did a valuation and roughly say, wow, these these guys are slightly overvalued. And because over the years they continue to expand the business itself in overseas the emerging market, and today. Okay, the share price actually uh, continue to grow steadily with no drama. Okay, although during crisis they actually uh, have uh, what we call uh, just on a sideways movement. But now today the share price, I, I believe, it's like twenty seven, twenty eight bucks. So and they give out very good dividends. Last year I believe total dividend give us about one dollar. Can you imagine if you invest in two thousand one, just from dividend alone you get about twenty to twenty five percent dividend yield and the capital gain compounding return you will get about twenty to twenty five percent compounding return outperform the STI. In that sense, yeah. That's because, uh, well, the components about they they track about thirty stocks, stocks yeah. and there's hundreds of companies on the on the STI yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, let's talk about commodities. If when we talk about stocks, inevitably they'll come to the commodity plays, and if I want a piece of the commodity play for like uh, our listeners, will you buy a company dealing with it or just deal with the commodity itself? I honestly, I will actually look at. Uh, company that deal with commodities okay i i give reg i give one example itself uh one of the commodities because commodity is very broad you know we have the precious metal we have actually soft commodities hard commodities things like this right so let's take a look at gold <laughs> which is a very hot topic people are always talking about gold and real estate these days okay yeah. i can touch see smell and you know that sort of thing okay now um gold is a very good hedging tool but we, as a value investor, and myself personally, I do have a slight challenge uh, uh, thinking otherwise to put all my portfolio of money into gold because gold doesn't have what I call a productive value. Now, what this means is gold price is determined by sentiment, by demand and certain demands. And, and this sentiment, it can sway very fast, right? And 
if you put all your money in gold and there's no productive value, and what, what do I mean by productive value? Meaning to say that the gold itself don't produce any value. Okay? It's just uh, the value determined by the eyes of beholder. Right? But the business itself have a productive value. Now, why? Because when a business lives in a stock exchange, they raise capital. They use this capital to either buy land, build factory, uh, invest in R&D, produce products, and hire people. And this spin off more value in the whole value chain itself. Create more jobs, right? The whole serious activity is called what you call productive value, and you can measure them roughly. But gold doesn't do that. So since it doesn't do that, we cannot value gold accurate, accurately, but more towards of actually the sentiment basis. Now, I'm not saying that we can't buy gold. I'm just saying that if you want to hedge in, against inflation, you can allocate a very small portion, about 5% of the portfolio, just for gold itself. Yeah, but I will still look at businesses that I understand and there's no drama and there's productive value itself. So I rather look invest in company that mine gold. <laughs> okay, so companies that mine gold and let's mine the markets yes. for value. Do you do it by a sectoral uh, on a sectoral basis or is it just uh, the company that has the best business model? Okay, good. Good question. A lot of people ask me, so Ken, how do you actually evaluate your business, right? I would tell something that actually... For our method, it's very simple. We invest within the circle of our competence. So it's not about the sector. It's about what do you understand. If in, in, in my life, I, only underst I don't understand everything. Okay, I can't. Okay, I only have limited knowledge itself. So maybe for myself, I only understand a few companies around that I use on a daily basis. So I just focus on those companies and make sure that those companies that I choose within my circle of competence, okay, I ha they, are, they have a good business model and good management. So how do you develop business model? You, you need to understand certain accounting knowledge to read through their past 5 to 10 years uh, so-called uh, annual report to ensure certain things. Okay, and you have to keep track what the management say every year. Okay, and just wait for the right crisis when the market gives you a good price, you can go in and actually buy them under value. So, in a situation that we are facing right now in 2012, yeah. is it a good time to go into the market when people are coming out? Yeah, the answer is yes. <laughs> but, okay, yeah. but don't, don't go in actually one shot. Keep your powder dry. There's value out there in the market. Even now, our, ourselves and our team, okay, we're looking at good companies with good, uh, good fundamentals, business model, good management, they're either at fair value or some of them are already approaching what we call a margin of safety. Now, one concept I want to address here is as a value investor, we don't buy what is worth a dollar. We don't buy something worth a dollar at only 50 cents and below. The, the difference is called margin of safety. Only when we have margin of safety, then we will be very safe in our investment. Because I've got to stop you yeah. right there. We'll come back with the margin of safety yeah. after this. Thank you. Money Wise with Keith D'Souza on 938Live. Money Wise on 938Live. We're back with Money Wise on 938Live. Joined this evening by Ken Chi. He's the director of 8 Investment Private Limited. And I rudely interrupted you to go for our short break. And we were talking about the margin of safety, Ken. Yes. Could you define that for us? Basically, the margin of safety means that if we find something that's worth a dollar, we don't we do not want to buy it at the dollar at most of the time. We only wait when the market gives us a price of 50 cents and below, then we will go in and take action. That's the general rule of time. Now, why do we all want to have a margin of safety for a few reasons? First reason is because to cushion uh, the error that we're going to make. Because 
investing is a, actually a, 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 there's certain assumption that actually we, we go into it. So assumption can be wrong. But if we get, give ourselves a room margin of safety, okay, then we'll cushion the, actually our error itself. Just like engineer when we build a bridge. If that bridge can actually hold, let's say, a weight of, let's say, 10 tons, right? So you will tell, you will give a restriction. So only five, uh, at any time of time, any point in time, only five tons of weight can be on that bridge. Although the witch can be sent 10, 10, 10 times, 10 tons. Why? Because the engineer knew, knew that actually that's re- require a margin of safety. Yeah, there's the same concept. Okay, so we've done with the profit-yielding companies. We've also been told if you want to go into the market, just buy stocks that give you a proper dividend. Is that your philosophy as well? Um, the answer is it depends, okay, on your age and your profile. Now, like... If you are young in the early 20s, right? So you might want to make your money really work very hard for you. So you might want to actually look at companies that have very good growth potential, okay? And actually stick with it. Okay, allocate the money, large portion into those companies that can grow fast <coughs> within the next three to five years. But if you reach to an age where you're near to retirement and you want certain steady cash flow coming in, right? So you might want to look at some companies that have very strong, matured business itself, but cannot grow as fast, what we call a slow grower. And because of that, they cannot, dip, they cannot actually use their cash effectively. They have to return to shareholder, and that has come in the form of dividends. Now, buy during crisis of those good companies will give you very high dividend yield itself. We, earlier we were talking about crisis, uh, basically, you look for, forward to crisis because yes. the opportunities there are more presentable to you? Yes, we. Okay, I don't want to sound uh, bad. A naysayer or, yes, a, bad, yeah. or a blood sucker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we can, we, no, we are not. Okay, I'm just kidding. Sorry. <laughs> we, we cannot control the market sentiment. Sure. Okay, but if the market gives us a price that's so ridiculous, okay, mm-hmm. we will take it. So in this case, yes, we welcome crisis. In fact, every time when there's crisis, okay, we, we make very good returns. Okay, yeah. so are you bullish perhaps right now on uh, Europe? Okay, <laughs> um, I say again, humanity have went through numerous crises worse than Europe crisis. We went through wars, we went through disasters, disease that killed millions, but we're still surviving. So if you have a mid to long term horizon, I think this Europe issue will resolve by itself. But in the short term, there will be volatility. But if you ignore the short term and just focus on mid and long term and invest the things that you understand, you'll be rewarded in the equity market itself. So what else should a value investor take into account? Or is that it? Okay, no. Uh, there's one account is actually emotion stability. Now, as a, that's, that's the reason why Warren Buffett made a very famous saying that be greedy when everyone is fearful and be the most fearful when everybody is greedy. It sounds simple, but yet it's very difficult to practice because... Only when you have emotion stability, you can exercise independent thinking. You are not swayed by the crowd or what you call a herd instinct. Now, very good value investor and very well-known value investor, they have all very strong independent thinking. They are not swayed to a crowd. So when everybody's actually when panic, panicking, selling, selling off, they ask themselves, hey, let's take a step back. Is this logical? Things that actually there's fundamentally sound and why are they selling so cheap? So when everybody's selling, I will go and buy. But able to practice that requires a lot of emotional stability and guts. Because I remember in year 2003 when I first started so-called my show hand investment in, in those companies, it was SARS, subprime, okay, and today now is this crisis. It requires emotional stability. Emotional stability 
Okay, but it also needs a bit of cash. You've yes. got to have a buffer. Yes. So basically, you're not supposed to be investing everything that yes. you have. So what should we do? Is there a ratio that you use? Okay. Uh, when I first started <coughs> started out itself, when I was very young, in the mid or late 20s back then, I actually allocated 70% of my cash into the stock market because it was a crisis, right? I said, I must, I must make my money work harder for me. But what I'm advocating here is, no, don't, don't follow me because uh, I can be sometimes uh, quite extreme in my own uh, so-called uh, investment itself. In the sense that if I believe this, I'll go all in because I know exactly what I'm doing. For average folks out there, if you are still learning, I would uh, enc encourage you to allocate about 10 to 15% of your fund. Okay, Re Invest in regular quarterly if you see opportunity they're still under value just continue to buy them about 10% 15% of fun don't go everything in one shot yeah on that note Ken Chi thank you so much for joining us this evening and of course uh, you will be invited back uh, ever so often yeah in fact can uh, I yeah. just add one thing sure okay if for those listeners who really want to understand more about value investing we do have a free two hour workshop Okay, just call us. Actually, you can come down and listen and understand what's value investing. And for those the first 20 callers itself, you receive a free audio CD to learn about more of the value investing. Thanks for the plug, Ken. And I believe I do have some books of yours to yes. give away, which we will be doing uh, on our next program. Yeah. You've been with MoneyWise on 938 Live, joined this evening by Ken Chi. He's the director of 8 Investment. I'm Keith D'Souza. Thanks for listening. Money Wise with Keith D'Souza on 938 Live.